I had waited eight years, thought everything was over, like totally just like, okay, I'm done. Like, and from July to November, like in July, I thought this is it. You know, I'm never gonna be a mom. And in November, I brought our baby home from the hospital. What's the most rewarding thing about, about being a father? I am proud of being able to provide some sort of life where they can figure out who they are and determine that and chase that and succeed or fail or whatever they're going to do, but they have the opportunity to figure it out as people. I like seeing who they are. On this Father's Day, I'm sharing part two of my time with Lee and Jana Miller. Before continuing on with this episode, I encourage you to catch up on their story regarding the topics of marriage and career in part one released last Sunday. Starting a family didn't come easy for the Millers. In this episode, we reflect on the pain, joy, and every emotion in between that waiting brought them in this particular process. Sometimes God grants our desires in ways we didn't expect, and the outcomes become blessings with more of an impact than if things had fallen into place as we originally planned. It was so surreal to hear them talk about the series of events and timing that brought them four children, three adopted and one biological. We recorded this interview a year ago today on Father's Day 2017, and I'm thrilled to share it with you today. Well, I I, I always wanted to be a mom. Like, mm-hmm. that was always on my radar. Um, and we another thing that we didn't ever talk about before we got married. <laughs> At all. Um, and so... Pretty. I mean, we got married. I was 22, and pretty within a year, I was like, "Hey, I kind of like to have a baby." Mm-hmm. He was like, Mm-mm. "Like, we have no money." Like, it didn't sound like a great idea to him. And so I convinced him about the age of 24. So a couple years later, it was still really early, but I was just like, "Okay." And um, and so we never even had a thought of not being able to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Like that just wasn't. We just figured we would try and we'd get pregnant. And so we never did. Like, we um, just, there was no reason. There was no rhyme or reason. So we went a couple years of just, you know, waiting and just hoping and praying. And at that time, like, my only friend group was at church. And so all of my friends, it seems like all of us had married young at that time. And so they all start having babies. And I'm like, okay, this really sucks. Like, all of a sudden, I was like, this isn't fun anymore. Like, we've been doing this for three years. Like, this isn't starting to get a little weird. And so um, we never really thought about adoption. We were never anti-adoption. We just assumed we would get pregnant. And so I just wanted to be a mom. I didn't. We never really thought past that. And so how old were we when we went to infertility the first time? 25. Well, I don't know because your doctors, your your doctor doctor started you on the first stuff. Like, yeah, it's like Clomid. Because he was like, kind of like, there's really no reason that you're not. Why don't we just do this? And you probably did that for a year. Co- yeah. Or longer. So we were maybe like. And there's kind of, there no reason not. So it's one of those things like you just kept thinking, well, any minute, any minute yeah. she's going to be And pregnant. that was really hard too because like as much as he wanted to succeed in the music business, I was just as much wanting to be a mom and so now all of a sudden and I felt like at the time like I was trying really hard to understand how he felt about wanting to be in the music business but he didn't really reciprocate 
Like, he was fine either way. Yeah. Like, if we got pregnant now, that's great. If we didn't, that's probably even better because he wasn't quite ready. You yeah. know, so he was just kind of like, it's okay. Either way, it'll happen. We're going to get through it. So yeah. I kind of felt like I was being just like, shoo, shoo. Like, oh, it's fine. Like, yeah. it'll happen. Don't worry about it. You know? And so that was kind of hard because I was like, you don't care, like, you know, how hard this is for me. And um, and he was like, well, you know. I cared that you were sad. Yeah, he didn't want me to be sad, mm-hmm. but he just didn't understand the rush of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Because at the time, you think you have all the time in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, we're young 20s, like. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and so I just had this feeling like this wasn't good, something. And so the doctor checked me out like there was, just was nothing, you know, pinpoint. Then they ended up, they're like, we need to see your husband. They checked him out. Everything's fine. There's literally no reason we're not getting pregnant. And uh, I had had, like, a little bit of endometriosis, but not even anything that they're like, oh, this is bad. Yeah. Like, this is why you're not. And so that was probably, for me, I mean, for both of us, but me especially, like, the worst waiting of my whole life. Just, I mean, I, it was, it was horrible. And it got, it got a lot worse because the closer I got to 30... And I was just like, the okay. more anxious you are. Yeah, to have, because I'm like, nothing's happening. Yeah. And she was fixated on it. I mean, it was hard to not every few weeks, like, are we? Are we? Are we? Why aren't we? Yeah. yeah. And then you start, like, when you're desperately wanting to have a baby, you start looking at, okay, well, this will be my last Christmas without a baby. You know, because we'll ne- surely by next Christmas, I mean, we'll have a baby. And then, like, I started, like, counting nine months ahead for everything well this will be my last mother's day without a bit surely this will be my last mother's day mm-hmm. and especially when you're going to the doctor and they're saying everything's fine you know and then his mom would give me sex advice i'm like i really don't need to hear that <laughs> like really <laughs> don't really want it i think <laughs> which even ruins sex yeah i so. mean like we figured this out you know like we don't we let me know i'm doing it wrong especially for my mother-in-law you know and so i just didn't want people's Advice about that? No, you just wanted, you just wanted your just, answer. And everybody right. else is saying, "When, when are you gonna have a baby?" And that was hard too. Like, yeah, you know, because we never had the "When are you gonna get married?" Because we got married so you quick. Know, yeah. yeah. So then it was like, "When's the baby coming?" You know, and it just was so just. We like, stopped going to church on Mother's Day. Yeah, mm. we got to where I just I couldn't, you know, because now it's been. I mean, we started. We went to the infertility clinic for the first time. I guess I was 26, 27 maybe, 26 probably. You did in vitro when you were 29. So it was well, 26 we or 27. 30, so. Well, but the in vitro, once they started doing the in vitro, we did it twice within a year. Yeah. So then leading and up to frozen, that. I probably did in vitro at 28. It was probably three years. I don't think so. I think you were 20. You were pushing, because I just remember thinking, I remember them telling you you were a good candidate for in vitro but that was after and then about that two was three hard years because of, it was a time when we had just started to make a little money like we finally gotten on our feet not that we were wealthy by any means but we finally like weren't starving mm-hmm. and then we're spending all of our money for infertility treatments and we had already decided like we're not going into debt for infertility but prior to in vitro it had been like three years of all of the things leading up like what's the uh, artificial insemination yeah we've we done did that, that four five times. or six times yeah. oh, and 
and everything leading up to that and then that and then they had done a couple more procedures on her for this and that just trying to find a smoking gun and you're looking at every yeah i'd had like this big open surgery um so i'd recovered from that i spent six weeks recovering from that and um they just couldn't put a pinpoint on anything and then you know we start in vitro and it was twenty five thousand dollars you know and for us we're like we don't you know have that just to throw out the window you know it was crazy and i knew i wanted to be a stay-at-home mom once we did have kids and so we didn't want to go into debt and then me not be able to stay home with them and so it was like this whole like do we take out a loan to pay for in vitro on the off chance we get pregnant and then i won't be able to stay home with them because then i'll be so that was it was a really really hard time and all the medicine that you take i remember this one day like the medicine that they give you for in vitro lee had to give me shots um i don't know how much you know about in vitro but um a couple times a day you would have to get shots and there was one time i'm like leaned over the bathroom sink and i'm just crying because it hurts so bad and he was like ready to cry and he's he said there's literally not one place that's not bruised and he's like i don't even know where to give a shot to you and i'm like just do it like, well, like just... for two weeks you did the little needles yeah and then when you got closer to go date you would do the big so you're you're doing i mean a songwriter what do i know about shots i'm giving the big the big and there's and you have to give them so slow because you have to push oh it really and the moment that your thumb would touch the thing and the medicine would start going in she would start crying because it hurt so bad and you'd have to slow and it was like a five in. minute shot and we literally. did that twice a day and this vial uh insurance covered under this this vial that we did twice a day it was three vials per needle at 90 dollars a vial twice a day oh my gosh it was $90 times six a day for two weeks. And I remember like even at church one night, we had to go upstairs because when it's all very timed out. And okay. so like at six o'clock, you have to have this shot or whenever. You go in, it's finally time to do in vitro. And so, you know, we have seven little embryos and they're perfect. So we're like, okay, this is it. Like these are our babies. And, um, you know, because we believe life begins at conception. So there they are. And you see pictures of them, you know, and so they're growing them in the little Petri dish. And so now you're waiting. So now it's three days later, the doctor calls, embryos look good, or the, uh, not embryos, um, blast, what did they call them at the beginning? Do you remember? No, they called them embryos from the time they get to that part. I mean, yeah, but they were like, they did the fertilization. They're multiplying, and, they're like, yeah. they're growing like they should, everything looks great. So you need to come in at such and such date and we're going to implant them. And so we're like, great. So then you have to decide how many of those are we going to let them put in? Because we knew if they put in seven and we have seven babies at once, like mm-hmm. that's not safe or healthy. So we chose three. They, four. We, first they t- time They was took four. the best four. Yeah. Which were like, they graded them. So they took the, and they were, you know. No, the first time was three because then we did it again for two and then we had an, another two that, um. We did a frozen. Oh. I don't remember. Maybe we did do four. I think we did four and three. Four and three. I think we used. I think we did all of them. I don't think we um, left any frozen. No, we didn't. So we did four and three. So yeah. the best four, they they implant and then. And they're like they, everything looks great. You go home. And so now you got to wait for ten days. 
to see if you start bleeding or they're going to call and tell you you're pregnant. Like, either way. No, no, you wait for 10 days and then you go in and they do and a do blood a test. Or you're waiting to oh see gosh. if something, like... So there's, like, multiple waiting multiple. periods. But it's going to be so early. Like, if she is pregnant, it's going to be so early that they're probably going to have to tell with the blood test. Yeah. They're going to do the blood test. And so you've gone through this ordeal. It's cost a billion dollars. And this doctor had, you know, there's a lot of icky feelings about it. A lot around this. It's just so expensive and so emotional. But the wheels came off when after all this, and she she had a terrible bedside manner anyway. The doctor did. The doctor had. And then they called. And she didn't call. She had the nurse call. The nurse called to say you're not pregnant. And I was furious because I was like, are you kidding me? You, she's too busy to make this call? You know, Like we've seen because, you ever, because you would have to go in every day. Like, there at the end, you're going in every day. Yeah, the day. nurse isn't the one that you're communicating no. with about and, this. It's yeah. the doctor. And, and the like, shots had hurt so bad. And what it had done to her body was so brutal. Uh, you, you know, it's like they, they... They basically put you in menopause. For the first round. And then round. they build you back up. So here in I'm two in weeks, 20s, they go like from normal, no estrogen at all. From normal to menopause in two weeks. And she, just like that... And she, hot flashes. She did the whole thing, and they hadn't told her. They had told so her. That they told her in the none of, the of day it. And they had not prepared her for any of the way it was going to feel. And then you go to the big needles, and this is to grow the eggs. And so now so they're like giving you hyper like high doses of estrogen because they want to be in control of all of your hormones, and so they want to get you down to nothing, and then that way they can control like where you are. And so I was not prepared, and because I'm pretty. It takes even a cute, lot to yeah. get me upset. It take like I'm usually pretty even, and I was like all over the place. And I'm a nurse, so I'm like trying to work. And I remember this one day, I was a home health nurse, and somebody opened the door in front of me and didn't hold it open for me. Like it, you know how like somebody, yeah, like you people just, would just it, like not pay attention, and the door shut. Like, and I just start sobbing, like just sobbing. And I'm like, okay, I'm. And I told and Leah, none said, of that was like her. I said Everything. I have to take time off. It like was, I can't work and do this. And it wasn't okay. That they, they, they took the money. They talked us into it, got the money, and then and told her nothing. They they told her that the odds were poor. You know, it's like it's a procedure you do because it's your last effort. But the odds are against you. But they you felt know. pretty good about us. But we but were yeah, so young. But you know, legally they have to tell you that the odds are such and such. But you're the perfect candidate for it. Mm. And so then you say, okay, fine. But they could have followed up with, now let's be honest about how hard this is going to be. And, and they, they they didn't. So then we're bumping up against my 30th birthday. So now I've basically been wanting a baby for eight years. Because I started at 22 when we first got married. And so now I'm like, I'm, and at the time like 30 seemed ancient. You know, I'm like, I'm 30. This is eight years. I'm exhausted. I don't, and I totally like. I'm done. If in vitro doesn't work this time, I'm done. I can't do it again. I'm just done. And um, do you know Billy Yates? I know that name. Yeah. Okay. So he and I didn't know them well. Lee knew him, um, but we had just He's gotten songwriter and artist. And yeah, and we had just kind of gotten to be friends with them, and he was doing really well. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. We were literally out of every every penny we had saved. I was emotional wreck. I was, it was awful. It was the worst time of my life at that time. Well, this was, we had three frozen embryos. We went back and had them transferred. 
Yeah, we had that done the That was the second transfer, so, so that all the embryos have been planted, wait 10 days. So in my heart, like, I had just lost seven babies. Or the seven, nurse calls. You know. The second time, the yeah. doctor doesn't call the nurse calls to tell you again that you're not pregnant. So now we have no frozen embryos. All of the babies that we've waited for and I've prayed for. And all the energy that you've put yeah, into all, every element of we're this at is zero. not. Yeah. We're at level zero, and it's the summer of my 30th birthday. And... um Billy and Nancy Yates called. Lee's been riding with Billy and talking to him and telling him. And they're just a little bit older than us. And they were doing well at the time. And Billy said, you're going on vacation with us. And we we hadn't been on a vacation in... Ever. Ever, I guess. And so they took us to the beach for 10 days. It was a crazy long trip. Paid for everything. Like, we literally... If we stopped at McDonald's, they bought our food. If we went to the gas station and got a candy bar they bought our candy bar like they literally paid for everything for 10 days and they're just like you all just rest you don't have to do anything you don't pay for anything you don't do anything and that was immediately following the second the second one not working i mean that like it it was the beginning of the summer when we found out that none of it had worked and then but that was one of the nicest things that anybody ever did for me ever and i didn't even really know them you know yeah um, so that was really cool. So then we came back and I had my birthday and I survived it. And I That's was kind of like. summer of 99. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Summer of 99. And so I just remember like, I'm done. We had a little house that we had bought and I had a nursery already. I mean, not ready, but set aside yeah. for a baby. And, um, I just totally, like I shut the door. I wouldn't even let him open the door to the room. I'm just like, you know, God said that babies are a blessing. Obviously, he doesn't think I can, I'm not She said fit that there's this. something she's, you know, something she's done in her life that's caused her to, she's created this. Yeah. And so I just, I shut the door to the Definitely nursery <laughs> and I'm done. Like, I'm never going to be a mom. That's it. And that's the summer. This is, it's significant. We keep going back to summer of 99 because that's significant, but so that's July of 99. And I remember that Lee stopped that one day on the way home from riding. He just went to Walmart and just bought a baby outfit. And he came home and he nailed it on the wall in the nursery. Like, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> <laughs> he just nailed it on the Very wall. Very diplomatic. Yeah. And, approach. Just, and so he's like, uh-uh, we're not giving, like, there will be a baby in this room. He said, I don't know how, I don't know when. But, you know, you're made to be a mom. You're supposed to be a mom. You're not going to do this to yourself. And he's like, we don't have to keep trying. But, you know, you're not going to let you just say you don't deserve this or you don't or that God doesn't love you or whatever. And um, so September of 99. So that was July. September of 99. I had a really dear friend who can kind of walk that road with me. And um, she calls me out of the blue, and just totally out of the blue, and she said, I've just been praying about you, and she said, do you care if I tell my OB about you all, about your story? And so I'm like, that's kind of strange. Like, I'm not that close to my GYN. Me neither. (laughs) You know, but yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to. And she's like, I just really feel like I'm supposed to tell him about you all. And his name's Dr. Presley. He still has a practice in downtown Nashville. And um, I'm like, okay. Like, sure. It's kind of strange, but okay. 
And so the next day, which was nine nine ninety nine, uh, September ninth. Well, we was what we were watching a movie, and in the movie, something about Graceland. And oh, that's right. She said, "My birthday's September 6th. She said, "Let's, let's go to Graceland because we'd never been there." And so we went that weekend to Graceland to Memphis, which is completely insignificant. And we had this meeting on the books to go meet this doctor on September 9th. And what's funny is ever since then we call September 9th Elvis Day. Day. Which makes no sense. <laughs> so it's Elvis Day, which just meant it was the day we went to see that doctor. So the doctor called. So my friend called, <laughs> which this was so strange. Like my friend called um, this doc, her GYN's office and said, if there's any chance, can I talk to Dr. Presley? And they're like, okay, is there something wrong? She's like, no, I just need to talk to him. So he called her that afternoon and she was like, I just need to tell you about my friend. Like, they've been trying to get pregnant forever. They've been through everything. I don't know if there's anything you can do to help them. Like, mm-hmm. she just was like... I know it's sort of weird. There's like the Elvis theme to Yeah, this. she was like... Yeah. yeah, she's like, this is just... Yeah, and his yeah. name is Presley. Yeah, I know, right? I was, I was like, what? <laughs> and um, she was like, um, I just felt... I was... Pre- and he's a strong Christian. Like, he prays with all of his patients. Love that. So, yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. And so... She said, I just feel like I'm supposed to tell them, tell you about them. And so he's like, okay. And he's like, give me their number. She's like, okay. So she gives him my phone number. And she still has no idea. Like, she's just, she's been praying. She felt like she needed to tell this doctor about me, which is all very strange. So this random doctor calls me out of the blue the next day and says, can you and your husband come into my office and meet with me? I'm like, okay. okay. Uh-huh. And so he's like, okay, tomorrow at 5, which was nine nine ninety nine. So I tell Lee, we're going to meet this GYN tomorrow at 5. So I'm thinking something infertility-wise. Like adoption had never even crossed, your crossed mind. my mind. I'm thinking maybe he does some new procedure. Like, I had no idea. And since the last negative pregnancy test... We had not done any... We hadn't even... I mean, it sucked, and it had been, uh, but there had been no talk of okay, what's the next plan? There was we no were plan. done. You just said let I it was go. Done. She yeah. said, "I need a break. I, I don't. I forget. No babies. I can't talk babies. I can't do babies. No babies." And we're like, okay, so it had been since like we had stopped trying in July, and then so this is September, and so we go in to meet him, and it was after hours, which was all very strange. We're sitting at his desk. He's sitting across from the desk, and he's. We hadn't really even talked about what do you think he wants. I mean, we're just like I went to work. I met her there after work. We just kind of walk in, talking about what we're going to have for supper or something. Just after this meeting, like we had no idea. We, we had no idea what meeting. were you mm-hmm. even? Why you were meeting with? And this so person. we're sitting there, and it's so strange because he started asking us about our faith, and he was asking us about our involvement at church, and then he was like, and you know, he said, I don't. He said, it's not that I don't care about your. He said, I don't want to hear about your religion. I want to hear about your walk with the Lord. Like, I want to hear personal. Tell me about the day you got saved. Like, Like, tell me that. Mm. And so we're like, okay, Okay. we're happy to talk about that. He wasn't going to take the, I'm a Christian. He's like, okay, more. Yeah, tell tell me more. When, why, And so we're both like, okay, this is all fine and good, but what does this have to do with infertility? You know, like, it's a little strange. 
And so at the end of this conversation, he just kind of sits back and he goes. We've been there for a while. Yeah, an hour. And and Lee and I are kind of looking at each other and he just kind of sits back and he goes, well, there's this girl. That was how he said it. Well, he says, you know, I have girls come in in trouble. Because he's old. No, the, the first thing he said is there's this girl. No, he that says, was, no, he says, I, I have girls come in in trouble. And he says, you get involved, they give a baby up and then. People change their minds, and everybody gets hurt. But there's this girl. And so I start crying. Because now, all of a sudden, it's like dawned on me. He's talking about adoption. And he's, he goes on for some few minutes talking about this girl and her situation. And I'm looking at him. He's completely clueless. As and I'm not, I'm not like, putting it all together. He's, just, he's telling this story. He's just telling another story yeah. about how this goes badly. And I'm watching him, and he reaches and he takes a box of Kleenex off his desk, and he leans across the table to her. And like slow motion, I go... And I'm just... And she's just gushing. And then I'm like, oh. You're talking about us. Like... Like... Oh, you mean this girl... You... So... Basically, the story was... He goes, and honey, she looks just like you. So this oh was Levi's person. Yeah. And and so, he's all teary. Yeah, he's teary. So, And this was the other waiting thing I was telling you about. So, backtrack. All of his, Levi's birth mom had come in to Dr. Presley when she was two months pregnant. She had just found out she was pregnant. She was a senior in college. Um, brilliant, At. smart... At Lips or at um, Trebek. Trebekah. Um, they would have kicked her out of school if they didn't know. Yeah, because at that time, like, Trebe- that was against Church codes mm. for Church of Christ, which it still may be. If you're pregnant out of wedlock, you get kicked out of school. And so, okay. yeah. So she was a senior in college. They had, she'd already split up with the father. And so they had just, and she grew up without a father um, in the picture. And so she's like, I. I can't raise a baby. He wanted to marry her. He offered yeah. to marry her, and she says, "We've already broken up." She like, says that would have been that would be the second mistake. Mm. I don't love you. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, so she had come in at two months pregnant, like for her first big checkup, and she told him, she said, "I can't make this decision. Like, I can't choose a family." She said, "So I'm just going to trust you." Because she knew, like, he's a strong Christian. And she didn't want to do an agency. Yeah, she said, I don't want to use She had agency. tried to do an agency, and they it had gone really badly. Yeah, she didn't like mm. them and didn't like how they, they had dropped the ball. And, and, um, and so she said... Which is honestly, if the, if the agency had worked out, this we would story would never happen. Yeah. And it's a big agency. Yeah. And so she said, so I'm just going to leave this to you. She said, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to try to find a family. I'm just going to trust that God's going to bring the family to you. And so that was at two months. Well, she, now she's almost eight months pregnant. She's seven and a half months pregnant. No family. And so, like, she would come in monthly for her checkups. And she'd be like, you know, have you, and he's like, I pray about it every day. And he said he had other couples in his practice that were dealing with infertility. And he said they're wonderful couples. And he said, I would get home and try to pray about it, and I couldn't even remember their name. Mm. And then my friend calls him out of the blue. And he said, the minute I got the phone call, he said, I hadn't even met you all, and I knew it was you. He, he said, didn't tell us that crazy. day. That yeah. day, he, he's, he 
told us a little bit of a little bit of that story that he was he's been praying and so we're like and he says okay i need to pray about it you need to pray about it i'll call you next week yeah he said let's all just kind of you know now now everything's on the table you all need to think about this you know he said i won't see her for another week like she was coming in he said it was her eighth month or eight month checkup at that point and he said, she won't be coming in for a week, so you all go and I'll let's call you all Monday. just think about this and we'll This call. was a Thursday, so I'll call you Monday. I think that was the story. So now we're in the happy, like, crazy wait. And fast forward. But now, it, it wasn't a no... It wasn't a no-brainer. It had to be. He had to feel like it was right. He didn't leave us thinking that we we were it. He, we, and so it was about Wednesday. We hadn't heard anything, of course. And so it was Wednesday night. And he's so old school, I looked in the phone book, because he lived in the same community. He lived in Hermitage, right? Mm-hmm. Brandywine. And again, this is, this was, the internet wasn't rocking much in 99. <laughs> so we looked in the phone book, and he was listed. And I said, he's in the phone book. And so I called him. I called him at, at the home. house. And, and, of course, he's crazy busy, you know, and he just got distracted. And I told him, I said, I'm sorry, this is improper to call you at home we're losing our minds and he says i got tied up i delivered a bunch of babies blah, blah blah it's been a crazy week i knew that baby was yours the first time i saw you he says she would like to meet you can i can i give her your number yeah and so i got to go to his i got to go to her like last checkup so i went to the checkup with her i got to hear the heartbeat um so we spent the next like four weeks kind of getting to know each other she and i and um, and Lee, but mo- I mean, it's a girl kind of, you know, like it's, it's a big deal for girls. her and her mom. And, um, so we got to go to the hospital when he was born and we were there from day one. We named him. We, you know, so that they was gave really, us a room at Centennial Hospital. So it's just crazy to think I had waited eight years, thought everything was over, like totally just like, okay, I'm done. Like, and from July to November like in July I thought this is it you know I'm never gonna be a mom and in November I brought our baby home from the hospital November 18 so just months literally months later like not at all what I would have pictured on my 30th or what birthday. you expected no because I was gonna ask you what you expected how you expected adoption to go but it sounds like that just kind of just kind of yeah. happened you know totally there was just really, happened there was we a sweet godly lady that was her boss at this home health clinic and had been there for a lot of the, the, especially the last part, the hard part. She had seen the in vitros fail and stuff. And it was going in for one of those embryo transfers. And we had to be there, like I said, it was like six o'clock in the morning, the phone rang. And it was this dot, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. About that, I just pulled that out. Yeah, there. I forgot. And she called her and she says, I couldn't sleep. I've been up praying for y'all morning. And what'd she say? She said, I can't remember the quote, but she, as if it was as if he was standing in the room with me, he told me, this has already been settled. Yeah. Wow. And we just... And then we had two failed in vitros. And she said, he told me, this is fine. It's, it's fine. It's done. This is settled. Yeah. So, I mean, that that changed and it was it was it just wasn't like we yeah it was settled and it's funny because adoption it was so strange because not that it doesn't take away from the longing to know what it feels like to carry a baby 
Like, I think that's just ingrained in some women. Some women don't ever have, but I think it's perfectly normal and natural to want to know what that feels like. Yeah. And to want to experience that. So that part of my heart still hurt for not experiencing that. But the minute I held him, I'm like, I'm totally a mom. Like, I didn't feel less mom. You know, like, I still was sad that I didn't get to understand what that felt like to be pregnant. But I was mom. Like, there never was, like, I'm a, I'm adopted mom. Or I'm, you know, it just was, and I was It was, was just that baby I was, was meant to be yours, yeah, and was that meant. was all you needed and, to know. And I was yeah. healed, and, like, I was completely happy. And it wasn't like I was, like, there was never second or never. A consolation prize. Ever. Yeah. Like, that was just, that was it, you know. And then all of a sudden, like, for me, like, life was perfect. <laughs> and sleep had stopped. Yeah, sleep had stopped. Just in a and, different way. <laughs> but, yeah, that was kind of crazy to go that long and then it be completely not at all what you expected. And then I think how easily that would have been missed out on, you know, if my girlfriend hadn't said, because that was kind of an embarrassing, weird thing to say, hey, I've been praying about you and I feel like I need to tell my doctor about you. Like, I've always wondered if she had been like, oh, that's stupid. I'm not going to embarrass myself. She like, thought twice about it and just yeah. kind of, you know. Yeah, because, you know, it's just a weird thing to call your OB and... And recommend. Well, she wasn't even yeah. like, she's like, I don't even know why I'm supposed to tell you about them. There was no reason. It was just she yeah, felt the need to tell. no reason. And so I just think how many little things could have fallen through that that wouldn't have worked mm-hmm. out that way. So... Yeah. And then Noah came along easily... And then, no, it wasn't easy. well, I meant compared to no, the one, way. There was one fell through. We had, we were doing an agency, and there was a situation that ended up not being good, and we had to we had to walk away from, which was hard. And then and then Noah, you know. And then Emma, that was another really kind of hard wait period because, and in a totally different way of, she was in Korea, like, and I knew like. That just seems so far away, and it was. But then to think about how many different factors, you know, that this foreign government was in charge of my little girl coming home, and how many things could have happened to... Yeah, so you had gone through a completely different process. Now, it's after 9-11, you've got the Department of Homeland Security, and so international adoption was extremely complicated, and we're going through whole different hoops. And, And then you get matched. It's like you agree to a profile and says, okay, here's your child, and you've got a picture, and she's in Seoul, South Korea. So then you start researching, and you, I remember I found a quote, it was just months and months and months after you'd been matched. Because you're like, okay, well, this is done, now we need to, I just remember she needs now to be she's here. Six months old. Because now, now you, give, now you put a face old. to it, and, and you're waiting for bureaucrats to sign paper. And you know, I read this quote that, that Bill Clinton, after visiting the... Uh, the D, the DMZ had said that you know that that border between North and South Korea is the most dangerous place on the planet. And, and then you like, and then you go to the map girl. and that's 25 miles from Seoul, South Korea. It's like just like that, your daughter is 25 miles from the most dangerous place on the planet. And you, know? you can't do anything. Yeah, it's like and you and so you're like. Because you've already named that as your child. Yeah, yeah. So yeah we've yeah, already said like yeah. we've seen her picture. We've. Agreed, like everything is in process. You're just waiting on paperwork. 
So you can't go see her. You can't, you have no real legal right at that point. You know, you're just praying that the people that have her are taking good care of her, that she feels love, that she's not, you know, that she's being fed, that she's, it's just a really weird feeling to go, no, your baby is out there, mm -hmm. but you can't, you have no control and over And you knew that the paperwork was done. It was just a matter of somebody at the State Department signing it. And by then, work was good. And with the music business, you meet fun people. And I had, I had made a good friend, and he was a very high up military officer, very high up. And he was, you know, all business and all serious, and he would have never, ever used that position to do anything mm -hmm. like this. But I knew that he would know who to talk to, because we were just waiting, just sign it and be done. And so I, I wrote him an email, because by, by then there was a thing called internet and email. Yeah. And I wrote him an email, just say, hey, just hey, catch up, hope you're well, blah, 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 blah. He was a rear admiral in charge of lots of things. And I just said, crazy here. We're just, you know, sitting around waiting on the bureaucrats to pick up that piece of paper. This, this South Korean adoption's going a lot slower than we thought we would, blah, blah, blah. I just kind of gave him some specifics just in a, oh, well, just catching up, hope you're well. And it was days. And they called and said, you have a travel day. Baby's coming home. And what was that like for the first time you met her? Oh, it was amazing because I remember when I got the travel date, finally, um, I was at Target and I went and bought a baby doll. Like I hadn't allowed myself to buy like much stuff for her. And like the minute I got the call, I'm like, what do I do? Because you still have two months to wait. Mm -hmm. You know, like we got the call in June that she's coming home August 8th of 04, 8404. And um, I just remember like, what do I do? Like my daughter's coming home. I'm like. I gotta buy a baby doll. <laughs> and so I went and bought bought her a baby doll. And uh, I just remember coming home like, okay, now we have a date, like now. And um, so that was that was really cool. And then of course it's still a horrible wait, you know, like two months after you've been waiting all this time. You're like, oh, two months. And you know, months. you know it's coming. Yeah. You know for sure. Now. Yeah. yeah, now it's, now it's done. But then you're praying for like, everything will be okay with the travel and everything you know like because we didn't have to go we yeah we had to go they didn't want us to go with south korea you don't travel to the country they bring the babies to you but you have to meet them at whatever airport they enter the country in mm -hmm. so even though we knew her travel date was august we had no idea where in the country she would come so it could have been la it could have been seattle it could have been new mm -hmm. york it could have been anywhere but we had to be at whatever wherever she was entering. And then of all places, she came home through Detroit. That was, <laughs> what? So, no. and so we had to make like arrangements and that was kind of last minute. Like we didn't know that until like two weeks before mm -hmm. she was coming home. Um, and so last minute we were like booking a flight to Detroit. So it was crazy because that morning we got up, we flew to Detroit, we went to the international waiting. She got off the plane. Well, here's the, the, the this was the most, of all the kids, this was the, one of my favorite parts was the agency said so we're an American agency that they had taken custody of her mm -hmm. in Korea she'd been orphaned um, at what ended up being an American agency and so these these ladies they're in Murfreesboro and they, they said because we're talking about we're talking about something country. about the way you know it's a minor you know traveling and, and she said and, and about 
the baby, the, the state has to finalize an adoption. So you have to have a baby six months with in-home visits in and stuff in America for them to, for the state to, to finally sign off okay. and say that this is a final. Then you go before the judge and they sign it off. So, um, so this lady says, we're her guardian, the adoption agency. Adoption agency is her legal guardian. Until that six months we're passes. An, until the judge declares the baby yours. He says, since we are a United States agency, and she's a minor, when the wheels of the plane touch American soil, she's American. Yeah. So we're in Detroit, and we fly early. We're there hours to make sure. And, and we uh, took the first flight of the day to be there early. And so you're sitting at this international gate waiting and, and you've been there for hours and you're watching the screen. And her plane had gone from Seoul and they had changed planes in Tokyo. Tokyo. And so we're watching this flight from, we say Tokyo, but it was another, it would be like, it would be like calling Murfreesboro, Nashville, because I, I just okay. remember it was uh, it was coming from what we would call Tokyo, but it was a, it was just it was a little bit outside. It of was that. a name you couldn't yeah. pronounce. Okay, that's the flight we set for hours watching. It would just say on time, on yeah. time, on time, and then it said at gate. And I hadn't thought about that conversation at all until it said at gate, and I went, "Oh, she's American." And she and that that's the thing too. Like, she's American, and she's got two brothers. Like at that moment. Like the minute her wheel, the wheels hit the ground, she had a family. You're orphan. Like she's got a house. You're orphan in Pusan, South Korea. She's got a baby doll. Korea. She's got. You have nothing. You have absolutely nothing in the world. And boom, you're an American. And Which you're a Miller. can only like, be so bad. <laughs> no matter what happens from this point on, it can only be so bad because you're an American. Yeah. With all that comes with. Yeah. That was and then Amazing. we had, they had to go through customs, and so... Hours. We had hours. Like, once the plane was on the ground, we still had two hours to wait for. Her. And the gate would open, oh and three people would walk in, and then the gate would close. You couldn't see through. Like, yeah. it was like a translucent kind of thing, and then it would open, and one person would come out. And we knew there were three babies came home on that plane from Korea. So the way they did it is they would get, which is an amazing thing, so... Um, the agency in Korea would hire young adults that wanted to come to America and they would like go through screenings and stuff to make sure they were acceptable but like the guy that brought Emma home was 22 spoke no English and he was just the transport like he had had this baby he had been traveling in this little contraption on his chest so he got a free ride to America 17 hours and so he was going on like he was just on a he was just traveling so he got a free business trip. trip yeah i mean he was just coming to be a tourist and so he got a free trip to trans and he transported this baby so she had an armband on that had our name that's how we knew she was and then ours. there was a social worker to match armbands yeah and so there would be a, which we had never met this social worker like this was just a random person who shows up it literally he gets off we don't know if she's ours or not because we knew there are three babies coming home so we just see this lump of hair down in a and we've been and we've been sitting there with the other families. There's yeah. these three there's three couples. One's from North Carolina, one's from Virginia. And, and so us. we would see a baby come through and we're like, Is it ours? Yeah, it and our, the yeah. first baby wasn't ours. And so then um, we saw her come through and I just saw this head of hair and I'm like, I knew, I knew it was her. Mm -hmm. And um 
they walk up and they read the armband and they're like Miller, Miller. and so then we come up and they match and they he literally handed her to us and he was gone like we had a baby i like, said here you go did she cry and he, goes, oh. And he was oh oh yeah <laughs> and i said little or lot he goes oh oh lot lot <laughs> And, and he, he was gone. And he hands us a bag. There's this little bag. Everything she owns in the world is in this bag. And he's gone. And I went to the bathroom and I gave her a little bath in the like sink because she was all sweaty. And I said, "It's so funny that if it was a like if you were transporting a baby, you would have like brushed her hair and gotten her ready to meet her mom and dad." Yeah. Like instinctually as yeah. a girl, and she was sweaty. Her diaper was dirty. Like he literally was just like here like just take her and uh so i took her to the bathroom and cleaned her up she was 10 months old oh and uh put on a little usa dress stars and stripes and uh i came out and we got on a plane two hours later and came home to nashville and i remember walking through the airport going to the other gate and i'm carrying her and she was fine she wasn't she was it was like I'm home and people oh look at the baby you know how, how long, long, have, you had how long have you had her I remember saying 10 minutes <laughs> 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 and she's Jana spread a blanket she sat on a blanket and ate Cheerios, Cheerios. <laughs> and I was like good lord you're so much better than the boys like it just was and she never and she got, like, on, she we got always... on a plane and got sit down and then she cried she looked around and then cried she had to be thinking god not this again and then she went sound asleep, and she was sound asleep till we pulled in our driveway. Yeah. Through the chaos at the airport with all the friends and the whole thing, she's sound asleep. And then six months later, I was pregnant. So, just out of the blue. I started throwing up, and I thought I had the flu, and I was pregnant. And the flu is 11 years old. So, all that, just like that long, drawn-out story, you know, the whole plan I had for motherhood, if... If it had gone the way I thought it should have gone, we would have missed out on the first three. Like, yeah. we just weren't supposed to be pregnant at that time. I was supposed to be pregnant when I was 36, which is ridiculous. You know, that's that the, how God wanted it. At the one yeah. time in my life I was pregnant, I was 36 and had three babies. Like, that just doesn't even make... Dot Booker told you it was settled. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense other than, you know, it happens when it's supposed to happen the cool thing is i'll have people ask me about yeah. adoption and stuff and as much as i feel like they were meant to be mine i feel like even more the four of them were meant to be each other's you know like they just belong together and if you spent time with them you would see that like they just they just were supposed to be together and it's so funny because we didn't plan on our family being multiracial or we didn't go into it going, oh, let's have this really unique, multiracial, multi-ethnic. It, it just, just kind of happened that it way. It happened that way. Yeah. It was just, but yet they were just always supposed to be together, I think. And then JC was just like, just, I don't know. It just was weird. Like she, she would have probably been an only child if, if all of that other stuff hadn't happened and it's just, I don't know, strange. Can you briefly talk about their personalities? Levi's artsy. And Levi's artsy and is a musician and, and um, 
that's all he can think and dream about and he says that's what that's what he's going to do super and smart and super smart and, and super distracted and focused and mm-hmm. and quiet and and all that goes with being a musician noah is noah there's some little girl somewhere that has no idea how great her life's going to be if noah picks her <laughs> noah is probably the kindest human being that that I know. He's a gymnast. He looks like a Greek god. I haven't taken my shirt off since Noah was about four (laughs) because Noah looks like the cover of Men's Health magazine. And um, and he's, you know, he takes care of business, whatever it is. If he's... He's a hard worker. If he's weeding the grass and and weeding the flower beds, he's going to do it to the absolute best he can. He works his butt off at school. He works out 16 hours a week in the gym. Um, and on top more of that, important, he's worried he's, about how you feel about yeah, everything. Yeah, he's he's going to ask how your day was, and mm. and he's he's fan freaking tastic. Emma. Emma is the one that just is fine. Emma's not worried about anything. If we get a twenty nine on the science test, it's all fine. <laughs> As long as you're good with it, you're good, I'm and good matter of fact, it. if you don't find out about it, we'll just keep that quiet, you know. And then it we doesn't matter. Be the least stressed so of anyone. She has no stress. It doesn't matter what's going on. At about eight forty-five, she's going to yawn big and she's going to say, "Whoo, I am tired." And she's going to put herself she's to bed at go to bed nine o'clock and sleep like a dead person with no stress at all. So. God bless the man that gets Emma. Because she is. Yeah. I mean, can I have, can I have some it? of that personality? Uh, just there was out. a time that she said, um, I, you know, I just, when I grow up, I just want to work at Kroger. Everybody at Kroger's oh. happy. <laughs> like, she's, <laughs> she said, like, she doesn't, you know, she's like, I don't want to go to college. I just want to work at Kroger. And, like, everybody there, they just go to their job and then they go home and they're just and happy. It's fine. You know? And Lee and I both were kind of like, <laughs> Well, she might like <laughs> there may be something to that <laughs> you know and then jc's like complete opposite like very driven very um type a wants to oh get that and wants Here. to be an attorney and like she's 11 and she you know but she's not artsy she's business she's oh all yeah business. all business and she's fun almost to the fault of but she she has fun. She enjoys things. She enjoys silly. She, you know, she she's she's not so serious that she's missing out on her childhood. But she's she's not the kid that loves school because school is a mission. Um, a B is a failure. If you get a B, you have not applied yourself, and so she's going to make absolutely on sure her own. On her she, own, she like, didn't care what you do. She didn't judge anybody else. But absolutely, positively, she's going to ace all of it, um, and and all the stress that goes with it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and she's, she's pretty, worried about social injustice, like anything she sees that seems out of order in the universe, like that's going to stress her out and bother her. And four of them have done the. Uh, the tour of the United States Capitol in second grade, right? Yeah. Second grade. And three of them could have cared. Um, JC came home with all of the stories to tell about the Capitol and, and all, you know. And um, I was, uh, 
at a function with the the speaker of the house. It wasn't second grade. It was later than fourth grade. Fourth grade. Fourth grade. Yeah. And I was at a function where our state speaker of the house was at Beth Harwell, and I uh, I told her that story. I said, "You're going to kick out of this Beth, and you know, JC's the one that was so fascinated with the whole thing." And so Beth says, "Call my office tomorrow, and pick a date. She can come be my personal page during session, during a the house session." And, and it might as well have been meeting Bon Bon Jovi. I mean, she was yeah. like, "This is." So then JC's there in her little skirt and her name badge, and. She took care of business. She was doing the business of the state of Tennessee <laughs> on the floor of the House of Representatives. And it was a big dang deal, you know. And really so, badass. So when we, <laughs> if there's a function that's going to involve, there was a thing in Franklin not too long ago, and I said, hey, we got to go to this thing. Bob Corker's, Senator Corker's going to be it. Do you want to go? And she said, yes. And so we went and right. listened to him address the Williamson County Republican Party, which was basically a, uh, a briefing on the latest dealings in, in the Iran and the Iran deal. And JC stood quietly <laughs> listening to every word, you know. And, and we're uh, both like. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, so it is funny because they are very, um, they're very unique. But they're really close especially the little three like they're they're super close and yeah and they have a grasp on race that we never would yeah they were just i skipped over no noah's story was yeah i mean that was you know just knowing that we're gonna um you know because levi looked just like us we weren't i said that's when we went to being an obvious family like mm -hmm. people would look at us uh, not in a bad way, but just that you're saying, I'm willing to let everyone in the universe know we're an adoptive family, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that was, but um, his was, you know, it just, he fit right from the beginning. I mean, it just was. And so they don't, they don't see, they, they may be the only people that I know that truly do not look at race because I think most people would look at well they can't be your brother because you're Chinese you know mm -hmm. that would never be their default they would just they would assume everyone in this room could be related to each other like that would skin color or ethnicity yeah. is not even a yeah it's not even you don't even think about it no no, no. they don't it's not a checkbox no. yeah no. yeah which is interesting to go who will they end up marrying mm. like how interesting that'll be because Really, nothing has been off limit. You know, like yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Like we're family. We're not. You know, and that's one thing. Like we've never said that. I hear other people say, "It's like, oh, these are these were my adopted kids. This was my biological kid." Now I'll clarify that if people, ask, you know, because sometimes people ask because sometimes they don't know if it's Levi or JC. Like somebody might know yeah. we have a biological child, but not know which one it is. So I'll clarify that, you know, but yeah. I don't look at them as these were adopted. This one was biological. Like you just kind of, this is my, my family kids. and this is when they came along. Yeah. It's just my, yeah. and how they just came differently, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but I think sometimes people that don't live adoption or haven't, they don't really get that. No. You know, we used that, to have, it's different now that they're older because it's like they're little people now, but when they were little people would, Feel free to say stupid stuff. They may still say it. We're just tired and we don't hear it. But but people would say, do you feel different? 
do you feel different about the biological one than you do the others? Hmm. And my answer started being, wouldn't that be terrible? Yeah, that would... As wouldn't that be terrible if I did? And it causes them to kind of stop and go... Yeah. Or uh, Jana said, I don't know, which one of your children is your favorite? You know, and they go, well, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm, that's ridiculous. I remember being at the grocery store and I had somebody say, which one, now, now which one's yours? Or, or now you have one of your own. That's like, what people say. That was, like I would be pregnant and like, oh, now you're going to have one of your own. I just remember Complete how strangers would say that. Oh to yeah. You? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh my. I had a, oh, somebody man. ask me one time. Uh, no, because Noah's. I mean, just gorgeous. You know, like this unique. And like, what is he? Where is he? Where is he no, from? What is, what is he? I'm like, he's a little boy. Like, same Noah. What are you? What are you? Like, <laughs> it's just such an odd thing. It's, you know, like it just. And I tried not to be mean to people but yeah. it just got it was used to be horrible and then they would say it like the kids can't hear them you know mm -hmm. I'm like just that not that conscientiousness of i'm mommy yeah like you're bringing things into their little heads and minds that is right. confusing to them like they, they were little and we were at the county fair in, in wilson county one time it's chaos and you had a double stroller so you had emma and noah so you had an Asian child and a biracial child, and then you had Levi, who was like standing on the back of the stroller or something. This was before JC. Mm -hmm. Maybe you were pregnant or something. I was pregnant. But there were the three of them, and they were like one and two and four, four or something. And we're pushing through there, and this chaos of people at the county fair, and this guy walks out of the blue, out of all the people, and he walks straight towards me, and I was pushing the stroller. You were standing beside and he walks up and he holds his hand out and he says, God bless you, brother. And so I shook his hand and he put a hundred dollar bill in my hand. And then he vanished. And like by the time I can look at it to see what he's handed me, I turn around and he's gone. And it was just so like, was that, what was that? Was I that, think it was, was meant it, Was kind? it charity? It, and now That's bizarre. It, it was, was bizarre, <laughs> which so was immediately strange. overtaken by hundred dollars. Hundred dollars. We could probably win a uh, a fair game with this. But I think, I think then yeah. we were sensitive to maybe people saying things that were inappropriate or weird. Like even that felt like maybe it was for weird reasons. But I don't know what I mean. It was it was kind. I wish I wish he'd come give it to me today. That I would take it today. <laughs> For everyone that did say something, you have at least have some money to yeah, right, to right. give us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wish all the people that said something stupid had also given us cash. That <laughs> yeah, made it a little bit better. Yeah. But the, my my favorite Noah thing was because people had said some ugly ugly racial things. Oh, yeah. and, and Noah was ten weeks old. I mean, he was new. We were still figuring out. You know, wow, the Christmas cards don't look different. And, and he was guy was such a pretty baby. I mean, he was just Ugh. he was. I mean, he had a freaking afro at ten weeks old and just big. You could put, your, you could put and... your thumb inside a dimple, and he was happy and fat and and uh, and really really brown when he was when he was little little. And, and we're going to Kentucky to see our parents, and first time my my parents had seen him. And uh, 
And they're just country just farmers. Country like, tobacco farmers in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And I knew that they they had there was no racism in them, but there was very few ethnic people in our little town, you know. And uh, Jane was a little shell shocked already because of how ugly people could be, and so we walk into the the house. She's My guards him, up. She's got him in a carrier, and she's already kind of, and she takes the. Now this is you know this is this moment, this is the patron of the family, right? These are the Millers, and she takes the carrier over, and she sits, and he's ten weeks old. And she sits this carrier down. Uh, on the kitchen table and she said Paul meet your grandson and my father stood up and he looked in the carrier and went well he looks like a miller I'm like, oh. like it's just like it's even better than you could have ever wanted or even thought to he has, and he has no idea how profound it was yeah she just to hear just that yeah just that well, of course said. that's our grandson that's uh-huh. you said. know he looks looks like a miller like, and then it was just off to the races. Like because we're the whitest, we're the, we're the whitest tribe of people in the history of human beings. I mean, you can see our circulatory system. <laughs> Your the, family, my family, yeah. my family, and then that's the first thing he said. Like off the top of his head. Oh, I love it. Yeah, isn't that great? See, that's great. So good. Yeah. yeah. That's like the end of a book, right? Yeah. yeah. It really is. I mean, that's. It was very profound. I've never forgotten it. Yeah. Like. And I love my father-in-law even before that, but that sealed it for me. Like to me, I was like, okay, that's that's the deal. Well, that's a good testament for for adoption too. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, people kind of have to know our family too. But I mean, that's pure. Like he didn't prepare that. Like I don't think he had any idea. Mm-mm. I don't How think he, he was nervous about he... it. I don't think he had any thought about it. But he would have never imagined. That that's how he would have felt when he saw mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Well, and the other thing about adoption, like in a kind of in a nutshell thing, is you know the whole baby thing is cute and sweet, and but then pretty shortly after that, you're just parenting with all the hard stuff that comes with that. You know, you're just you kind of the adoption part kind of goes by the side, and you're just in the daily struggle of. We have people, lots of times, will say, hey, you know, when they want to talk to us, it's like a lot of times they've had two or three biological children, and that part's over, but they just feel this calling. I felt called. There's something to church this morning, and they said there's 160 million orphans in the world, and we feel like maybe we should adopt from from Haiti or from Africa or, you know, someplace they don't even know where it is. And, and they're, they're so emotional, and they want all this information. And, and my thing is always like, well, you have to understand, adoption is complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, adoption gets, adoption is scary. Can get messy. Anyway. And then you get into parts of the world like Eastern Europe or somewhere where it is, you know. South Korea was easy, you know, because you can kind of look at, I always say, what is our relationship with their, what's our State Department's relationship with their State Department? Right. Well, we're, we're very close allies to South Korea. Okay, so there's going to be a lot of stability there. That's going to give you a little bit of, some, the information's going to be at least it's still the other side of the world. And they even redid Emma's shots because they said it won't hurt her to redo the shots. On paper, she's had the shots. But technically, South Korea is still the third world country. You know, it's still the other side of the freaking world. Right? Yeah. You know, now, when you get to talking about Russia and Ukraine and China, China, it gets... And so I'm always like, so you need to understand 
it is noble to want to save the world and, and to save the child and that's great but when the balloons go down and the grandparents go home and the dust settles on the new baby coming home it's just a baby it's another baby and babies are hard the question you have to ask yourself is do you want another baby not do and you want almost always they go not really okay well and not that you're not wanting people to adopt but i think sometimes you get so wrapped up in adoption like we didn't go in it to save anybody like we wanted to be a family and you know and that's why we're like we'll have people say oh he did such a good thing we're like no we didn't well and which is we like what you're family. saying is a testament to the whole like it doesn't matter who's adopted yeah it's, it's, it's right. our family and right. this is how we never look at our kids like we saved you we adopted mm-hmm. healthy yeah. you know like that yeah because then you owe like they don't owe me any more than jc owes me for having her you know like they were just supposed to be my kids and so i think even though it's noble for people to want to adopt i think lee is really profound and like that kind of brings it back home of do you want to adopt or do you want to raise a baby because it's a big difference like you know we adopted a healthy beautiful babies they were going to be fine anywhere the people that stand up and say i don't have to but I'm going to go, be it to China or to Utah, and adopt special needs. It's a whole nother level. There you go. That's yeah. the hero. Yeah. That's the badass. That's the ones that you go, you know, that's not selfish. We were freaking selfish. Our babies are, you know, we didn't, yeah, we didn't save anybody. But man, we have friends that went to middle of nowhere, freaking China, and adopted deaf children. Wow. Yeah. No one went in, sought them out, went into this place that's just the most horrific thing you've ever seen. And they keep the sick babies in the back away from the population because they're embarrassed about them. Oh like you could have people that come in that might take them and then they hide them. Yeah. And they went in saying, no, where are the others? And like go into another part of the thing with the babies that they, that, that, you know, they say that the Chinese people don't understand why the Americans want them. Why would you want that? Why would you want somebody that has a problem? Like, And you've got people that go in there and say, I'll take that. You've got people that go to Africa and, and, and adopt the babies that already have AIDS. Yeah. That gives me chills. Yeah. I'm just thinking about that. That's why it's like to us, if somebody ever says, oh, you did such a good thing. Like mm-hmm. It's Cur- a lot deeper than that. Stephen yeah. Curtis yeah. Chapman's Hospital that is for the children. They have a hospital. Look down and there's a book book. Yes. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Right there. <laughs> yes. Timing yeah. is impeccable. He has, you know, took his success and completely put all of it into building a, you know, this isn't in Beijing. This is the middle of nowhere. It's hard to get to. Yeah. But, you know, flying in the face of everything that is the Chinese government. You know, a Christian organization that's coming in and set up shop and is taking the children that they don't want. And I mean, the sick of the mm-hmm. sick, the the ter- you know the the terrible diseases, and saving them, and propping them up, and giving somebody an opportunity to go over there and make them Americans. Yeah. Mm. That. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna close out with this question. It's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day Thank to you. Um, what's the most rewarding thing about about being a father? 
Boy. What do you What do you love about what being? What is it JC said? I don't what? I'm not gushy. It's hard to find me a Father's yeah. Day card because... Because you're not... She's like, she looked and looked and looked for Dad's Father's Day card. And she's like, it's just so hard because he's not gushy. They're all so gushy. Um, I like... I am proud of being able to provide some sort of life where they can figure out who they are and determine that and chase that and succeed or fail or whatever they're going to do but they have the opportunity to figure it out as people i like seeing who they are more so than any of the obvious gushy gushy stuff i mean they're all good at something and they all suck really bad at something you know, we've seen them really, you know, really, wow, well, that was a mess. That didn't go well. I'm glad that's over. And we've seen them go, wow, that's a lot better than I even knew they could do, you know. And we've seen them love things and hate things. And um, I like that. Like, I think when you come in, as you've never met them, and then they come bouncing down the stairs and say hi to you. And they're all, like, single file, like, hey. Yeah. (laughs) It's great. Right. Um, It doesn't always go well. Sometimes, you know, maybe they they get a a talking to after somebody leaves because they weren't respectful enough or didn't do something the way they've been taught. But for the most part, if they experience people and they they seem like, you know, they're not crazy wild animals running through the woods. And I'm proud of that, you know. I can be proud of them, you know, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right. Because they're hard. Kids are hard. And I think I think that social media is the worst thing ever. I think that we would have all been just fine without the Internet. Um, I think that it makes parenting much more difficult. Mm-hmm. I think that for the amount of crap that you can look up on the Internet, the trade-off is you're trying to keep your kids safe from the, the nastiest and the vilest <sighs> and the worst things in the world. I remember when I was in high school, I only, we didn't have Instagram. We had Twitter, but it like wasn't a thing yet. Yeah. But I remember having Facebook and it was, I mean, people would still upload photos, but it would be after the fact. Cause of right. course there wasn't like, we didn't have like the iPhones since right. Facebook. No smartphones. And- but even then when I would constantly find out, oh, I wasn't invited to that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, you know, didn't get, get in on that. Like that hurt, yeah. you know? And I can only imagine yeah. kids these days having every single outlet available to them. Well, and that's one thing that being parents in this, you know, this day and time of the age of kids we are, ours are, is, um, you know, there's no keeping them completely safe. Like, there's no amount of filters. There's no amount, you know, and so Lee's really good about this too. Like, we, you know, we've tried to just, they all have phones now because, that's the day we That's live the thing, in. Yeah. And um, but at some point you have to make good decisions on your own. And we've had to tell them that like mom and dad can't protect you from everything that's out there. Like if if you stumble on something that's bad, you have to have it in you to just turn that off. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Because there's there's literally no way you can filter. Like there's nothing we can do to keep everything bad off of their phones. There's no so um, and then I like showing them. I like when we show them things that we think matter. Yeah. You know, mm. we took them to the Grand Canyon, 
and we walk up to the edge of the Grand Canyon and you go look at this and you watch them stand there with that the proper look like you should have the first time you see the Grand Canyon and you can kind of say this is a thing you know because you've probably spent a lot of time pointing out something else that Instagram is not a thing an yeah. example you know that's not real that's not real you that's, know yeah. that's it's everybody's nothing. best picture that's not it's everybody well, not even know. that I'm just talking about you, you know your stupid video game that's not a thing that's that's entertainment that's and whatever. it's okay but it's fine but it's not it's such a funnel vacuum right. type yeah world that we have in addition to the yeah the real but, thing hey kids stand right here <laughs> the Boston massacre happened here under your feet that's a thing yeah. you know or, or or whatever you know it's like that you drive across the painted desert and then they go to school and they teach, you know, the year after we went, we did that, they were talking about the petrified forest. And Emma raises her hand and says, I've, I've been there. And the I've teacher touched says, that wood. The teacher says, what? And she says, I've been there. And she says, what does the wood feel like? And so she stands up and describes to the other kids what the wood in the petrified forest feels like. You know, and you go, dang right. On Dang day, right I, you did. That one day I didn't suck as a dad. That day we, it's right. That day we killed it. You know? And you can't put that on Instagram and hashtag it and say, I've been there. Yeah. America. Yeah. Yeah, well, we do. Cool. I love it. That's, I'm going to end on that note. Thank you. You sure? So much. Yeah. We Thank can ramble you. and go on long-winded. I know. I feel like our stories went on. We got 25 oh, years of stories. We can just <laughs> go on. 25 years of stories. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Waiting Room series. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with the Millers and stories you've heard thus far. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the podcast, be sure to submit your review in Apple Podcasts. Visit LibbyOlrich.com slash The Waiting Room to sign up for a weekly newsletter that includes links to the latest episode, blog post, and more. Happy Father's Day. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and weekend.